The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas. Aisha Blakely is eating popcorn. Gary Washburn is just chilling right now. Welcome to a new week of the NBA. And of course, if you haven't heard already, unfortunately, the Celtics have broken their win streak. But I mean, it's nothing to be dramatic about. They're bound to lose one at some point. But let's just go over that game specifically. It was a pretty good game anyway. So they, other than the loss, of course, they were defeated by the Minnesota Timberwolves in overtime, 114-109. Anthony Edwards did what he had to do, 38 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Tatum with 32-5. and five. Everyone showed up, essentially. But what do you think went wrong for the Celtics in the end? I mean, I mean, Gary, yeah, you got this. It's, yeah. Um, I felt like they had their chances in this game. Just a game of runs. Um. Minnesota, obviously, is a good club, okay? Better than I probably thought. I think they're better. The Timberwolves are better than I think people in the West are giving giving them credit for in the West. Like, they they could be a top four team if they play really well. They play very good defense. I just felt the Celtics just didn't quite have that umph. Like, they look tired at times. Um, and it's just, to me, it was like it wasn't – Good. It was. It wasn't. It was solid Tatum, but not great Tatum. It was okay. It was okay Jalen, but not great Jalen. Jalen a, a minus sixteen in his time. Drew Holiday was awful offensively. He missed. I mean, he now you look. He would have. You know, twelve points, eleven rebounds, six assists, a steal. But he also was four for sixteen. He was over four from the three. Like if he has any type of decent offensive game, they win it. Um, Porzingis, 5 for 14, got pushed around. Obviously, facing somebody like a uh, Rudy Gobert, who all practically his size, so he's, he doesn't have the, the, the advantage there. Uh, and they made it tough on him, and he missed some makeable shots. So if the Celtics, they shot 39%, they missed a lot of threes. But I just felt like they just weren't at – they didn't play a crisp game. And then, to me, a lot of the Minnesota players, like, the problem I felt like the Celtics still have a bench problem, like 16 points from the bench, um, no points from Peyton Pritchard in 20 minutes. Um, you know, Sam Hauser was okay, 11 points in 24 minutes. I mean, Sam, there was a lot of Sam Hauser last night. I don't know uh, why they didn't, Joe didn't play percent. He played Lamar Stevens for a hot minute. Um you know, he played Shvi for for a hot minute, but he went really went with the Hauser minutes. And I said, and Peyton has just got to start hitting shots. I mean, 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 1 from three-point line. You know, he had six boards, but to me, they just weren't crisp. And the key, I felt like, and we could talk about Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, it was the other guys. Jaden McDaniels, four threes. And, and when you put so much pressure on the defense, when, when, when you're – Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels has got to hit that open three. And he was four for nine. I thought that was key. Nikhil Alexander-Walker hit two threes. You know, Nas Reed came in with 14 points in 25 minutes. He he helped him more in the first half. So I just thought their bench was better and their complimentary players were better. Because remember, like, Carl Anthony Towns only had seven points. He was in foul trouble most of the night. You know, he didn't. he was not himself. 
Gobert was a plus 24 in his 40 minutes. So they, the, the Timberwolves won the minutes with Gobert on the floor pretty decisively. To me, that was the key, um, too. So you, you can blame the Celtics. Maybe, you know, they've had a lot of road games from, from the beginning. They've only had two home games. Uh, maybe they're a little tired. Maybe they, and they're not going to get a break. So I don't know where you'll get this rest from. Um, but they just didn't look crisp. And I said, if Drew Holiday plays, he, if he goes eight for 16 instead of four for 16, they win this game. He missed a lot of bunnies. Tatum, six turnovers. Tatum was trying to do too much with the dribble. Um, Jalen Brown was, I said, he had his moments. Uh, the big dunk on Gobert in the first half and all that. But, you know, he missed some shots. Chris Stapps was in foul trouble. And, you know, and then, you know, eight missed free throws too. I mean, now Timberwolves missed 12, but, you know, nine of those by Gobert. But uh, eight missed free throws by guys who should be knocking down free throws. So a lot of little reasons why they lost. But credit to Minnesota. They played a strong game. They never went away. And the Celtics couldn't put them away. I'm actually, Gary, I, I came away more encouraged than I think a lot of people did after this game. And here's why. First and foremost, the Celtics, they began a game undermanned with no Derek White again. Uh, second, as you clearly chronicled, pretty much everyone on the Celtic roster had an off night mm-hmm. in some capacity. And they're doing this with what was just yet another in the long string of road games against the best defensive team in the NBA up to this point. And that team couldn't put them away until overtime. And it took Jaden McDaniels to have a game that's very atypical of what he does. He knocked down a lot of shots he normally doesn't knock down. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns did not have a good game. Anthony Edwards, you know, he he may be the most uh, under-the-radar superstar in our game. People know he's a good player. I think he's a star. Uh, I, I think he is at that level, and he still has room to grow. But so many things went against the Celtics. A number of things went for Minnesota, and yet there they were going overtime. Uh, and, and if you're the Celtics, there's a part of you that has to be encouraged by that because you're able to not have your A game and still be able to hold your own against pretty much any team. A year ago, the Celtics would have lost that game by 15. It wouldn't have went to overtime. It, it, they just would have simply they, they would have turtled up. And yeah. went in the shell and called it a day when things got tough and guys weren't making shots. Uh, but this this team is built a little bit differently. Uh, now, would they have won this game if they had Derek White? Probably. But the flip side, Minnesota would have still won if Carl Anthony Towns went better. You never know. It's neither here nor there. But I was encouraged by the way that they simply didn't succumb to a rough night. Uh, Tatum, I, I, I thought, again, he there were stretches where I thought he disappeared and not because he wasn't looking for the ball. They simply weren't getting him the rock. Uh, and you just can't do that when your best player, it can be that dominant. Uh, Jalen didn't have a great game, obviously. Sam Hauser was the only spark today off, off the bench. We'll talk more about them a little later. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is the Celtics, they gave themselves a chance to win in the game where I, I did not think that anyone played well enough to where they should have been in the game. And yet there they were. So that, for me, is, is, the, is the, the silver lining in this loss. And it, I'm curious to see how they're going to bounce back. Uh, because to me, it's, it's I, you know, the loss itself doesn't define them. It's how do they respond to it. And that will, we'll, you know, we'll find out soon enough. But uh, like I said, I, I wasn't nearly as, as like pissed off and upset about this loss as I think some fans might have been. 
And Philly is a good metric marker for whether or not they will bounce back. Also, if you guys are watching, apologies. My light just died in the middle and I'm trying to fix it. Oh, if, okay. It works. Never mind. Cool, it died. And I was like, I kept flickering. So I was like, let me not do that because it's really distracting on your answer. <laughs> I was pretending that that wasn't happening when I think like, man, Garrett, can we get a go? I was still addressing because I'm like, why was she just sitting in the dark? <laughs> we need to go find me to get that light bill paid, Kwani. Is that what you said? Please, please. My Venmo is Kwani A. Lunis. Cash app also Kwani A. Lunis. Put in the memo that it's for my ring light and I will make sure you get a shout out. So, Gary, she's, she's low key hitting Gary. Give me a ring light for Christmas. No, nah, it works now. Yes, actually, y'all could get me one. It's working now, though. So I don't know what happened, but we're good. What Until mean, then. Garrett, big bucks. Make sure about <laughs> Nah, it's a co-host. That's the reason. We should do a secret Santa. Well, we can't do secret Santa. We should do a gift swap. I got you. Okay. And, well, okay. Going back to Celtics, though. You kind of alluded to this, Sherrod, but it sounds like, and Gary, you can chime in if you agree, you guys aren't as this isn't a big deal. This is not necessarily something that Celtics fans should be panicking about. I understand it's fun to be like the only undefeated team at the beginning of the season, but it's one game to your point, Sherrod, one game. And then again, Philly, I think should be, like you said, the test of whether or not this is going to be a pattern. Go ahead, Sherrod. You got it, Gary. Go ahead. No, I, I just feel like there's little things to look out for one is the bench. Like, I'm just still concerned about the bench. Yeah. I think Pritchard, you know, a lot of – he still keeps getting open shots. He still keeps missing them. He played 20 minutes on against Minnesota. He didn't score. You know, he's got – they need more lift from the bench mm. uh, because there's going to be nights where, like, if you look at their quote-unquote big four, like Tatum had his moments and, and Brown had his moments, but – None of neither of them were good, uh, very good, right? You know, although they could have won the game. If Jalen hits that three at the buzzer for the last seconds of regulation, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, they're six and oh, what a team. They pull out a gutty win at Minnesota or whatever. So it's it's a it's a it's a thin line, but I think there's little things to watch out for. Too the the too much ISO ball I saw down the stretch, guys not sharing the ball. And, and, you know, guys trying to do too much. And I think Jason got caught up in the like, okay, Anthony, you know, you making the, you know, you making your crowd go crazy with these moves. I'm about to go at you and do it too. And it was just like, no, Jason, that's not you. Like do it in the flow of the game. Do not try to go one-on-one, mano-a-mano. Because basically, if you look at it, Edwards was all Minnesota had. McDaniels to me, and, that, and I just looked this up. Like McDaniels, McDaniels had taken – he was four for nine from three last night. So I can't blame the Celtics for this. Prior to that, he played in three games. He had taken six total threes. He was three for six. Like, he just came – he shot – he scored 20 points. He had scored 23 points in the previous three games he had played this season. He had scored five points in his previous game um, against Utah. So, like, this kind of came out the blue. Like, this was a – season best by far game for Jaden McDaniels. But you're also leaving him wide open because you're focused so much on Edwards. Um, I think they've got to improve a little bit defensively sometimes in, in that sense, make it tough for guys like Edwards for those wing scores. 
But, you know, like I got, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, it's a reason for, oh boy, here we go. But little things you can see creep up in the bench. And it's great when you're at home and you're playing Indiana and you're beating them by 50 to hit a bunch of threes late. To make, but I just haven't seen, I said, Pritchard is struggling. Hauser's doing okay. Um, and, you know, Joe's kind of mixing the minutes. Like, I'd like to see O'Shea Brissett get consistent minutes per game. I think he's a guy you should play every game. I don't know. Banton, uh, you know, Stevens got a little cup of coffee, and so does Fee. But, like, you got to – and then they're really going to the cornet minutes. I mean, um, oof, uh, if I look at the box score, my man my man, Luke, my man, Luke Cornette um, played 15 minutes and got one rebound. Amazing. Um, yeah, he scored five points, and he was three for four for the free throw line. But he played 15 minutes as a seven footer and got one rebound. Like that can't happen. Chris, right? Thanks, Gary. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Thank you, Sharon. Back to you. Here's the thing about about this game. I um. To Gary's point, some of the things that got exposed, I don't think you're going to see on a stat sheet uh, that are going to jump out at you. For example, I thought this game made a lot of my concerns about Porzingis defensively come to life. Uh, he had trouble with size and athleticism. Uh, when he got switched out and had to deal with some of those wings, you know, he got, I mean, it, you know, barbecue chicken, that was him. Uh, they they were I mean they were finger licking him up and down when they got that matchup went at him with the quickness and just absolutely barbecued him. Uh, and Cat, you know, he, it, it, the one thing he did do a good job was he, he was able to to get Cat to commit some silly fouls. But the rest of the team was just like, all right, Cat, we're not gonna have you, but we still gonna take this rule out. We got this. And that's you know, Luke, Chris Stapps, they both have that that issue uh, defensively. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and Al just doesn't, I think, have the ability to, to play extended stretches out there defensively. So that's what the, kind of the catch-22. You need to figure out a way to kind of close that gap and get some youth athleticism and just energy in that front court. And, and Gary's point, you know, O'Shea Brissett, that's literally the one thing that he's been able to do every time he's played. He's been able to provide an abusive energy. And I'm not really sure whether Joe's trying to see what other guys can do because he kind of has an idea what O'Shea can do. But the, it was little things throughout this game that just reminded me of why that this team, as good as they are, as talented as they are, and as more likely than not, they're going to go deep into the playoffs. There's still things they need to shore up in order to make it so that as they advance throughout the season, that they don't have like the major slip ups that could potentially derail what has been what should be an otherwise awesome season. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. 
First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gambling helpline ma.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Really good point. All right, moving on, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Jason Tatum became the youngest Celtic to hit 10K career points. He did that, what, by the time he was 19? <laughs> Only 19 years old. But what do you think that says about the future of him not only in the NBA, but in Boston. I mean, he, he's been cracking the first, the youngest to do this, that, and the other ever since he's been in Boston. And and part of that has to do with the fact, I think we have to be mindful of the fact that, you know, the Celtics are like any other longstanding organization. When Cats came into the league back in the, in the you know, 50s and 60s, they were 21, 22 years old. So they were all right. Like, so basically, they were where Jason's at in like year four. Um, he, so for him to break a lot of those records, it, it makes sense. But to me, what sets Jason apart from a lot of guys is he wants to play every game. And he ain't trying to do load management. And when, you, when you're able to do that, when you're able to stay healthy, when you're doing things to physically improve your body and your sustainability and your durability year after year after year, you're going to be in the mix to be a 20-year veteran. I, I think Tatum's, Tatum is in that era where we're going to see these guys playing right now for another decade and some change. They ain't going nowhere. Health-wise, they've got the, the greatest advancements in science to help them stay healthy. And their mentality and the way they're built and how they condition their bodies and the fuel that they put into their bodies. They're built differently in a way that allows them to sustain a high level of play for longer stretches. And so, Jason, I mean, I, it would not be surprising to me if Tatum continues to ascend and crack and be one of the top four, top five all-time scorers in the NBA. Would not shock me at all. And Jalen Brown, when you look at his game, wouldn't be surprised if he was being in the top 20, top 25 all-time. Um if you're putting up 20, 25 points a night the way he does, uh, and you don't have the pressure of being the man, yeah, mm -hmm. you could do that. So yeah. it, it doesn't really surprise me that Tatum's been able to to continue to just check off one box after the other on the youngest to do that. It's the first to do that. It's going to be like that until he's an old-ass man, until he's a whopping old 30-year-old, which is crazy <laughs> because at the, when he's 30 years old, he still has like another decade potentially in the league after already been in the league a decade. Okay. I mean, LeBron, LeBron, I think, is a template that all players, when you talk about longevity, want to strive to be. I mean, LeBron has been, you know, at the top of the mountaintop pretty much 21 years. He's been there for maybe, what, 18, 19? And maybe one or two years where he wasn't on that, in that, that Mount Rushmore of guys in the league currently. Mm -hmm. And Tatum, you know, I think is, is one of those guys following suit. We saw Anthony Edwards, who I think is going to be a guy that will be in the MVP conversation multiple times before all said and done. Uh, he may wear, he may very well want to be the greatest Timberwolf player, uh, not named Kevin Garnett. He's going to be the, he's that good because Cat, because Cat, I think Cat has clearly become comfortable being that other dude. He went from being the main person to the side person. I'll see it. <laughs> 
to the side chick. <laughs> see, I wasn't going to no, Gary, see that? Yeah. You see that? <laughs> so I'm trying to be nice, Gary. Why? I'm trying to be nice. Going back to Tatum, Kwame, <laughs> dropping the topic of side chicks. <laughs> and jump offs. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's a good, good accomplishment, something that I'm sure it's just the first step. And just you, you understand in, a, in an era of scoring how tough it is. I mean, 10,000 points is a lot, but LeBron almost got 40. LeBron's going to get 40,000. So, I mean, Jason got a long way to go. And you look at guys like, you know, the great Larry Bird. Like, I looked up and Jason got his 10,000 points. And we're talking about with the three-point shot mm -hmm. in 444 games. Larry Bird got 10,000 points in 436 games without the services of, 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 a, of many three-point shots. You know, he might have hit 100 in those five years or maybe 150. I had to look that up. But he did not have and a lot of three-point shots. Shorter, too. Huh? And their schedules were shorter. No. Well, so, well, so, so, still 82 games. Really? Yeah. For real. Okay. <laughs> for real. For real. Look, I don't for know why I'm going to see the shorter. The more you know, okay. You know, so, you know somebody don't believe you when they ask you for real. For real? <laughs> no, for fake. Let me just see what he really meant. <laughs> right, right. It was the same 82 game schedule. Okay. And Bird was older, obviously, than Magic. He was like 23 when he got into the league. Mm. Uh, but he did four and 36 games. So, did you, and, and you look at a guy like Havlicek, the all time leading scorer for the Celtics, 27,000 points, and he never hit a three. Havlicek retired before the three-point shot was uh, allowed him to the NBA. He retired after the 1977-78 season, and the three-pointer was not into the league until 79-80. So uh, it just get more appreciation for the all-time greats of the franchise. But still, Tatum is now, at just age 25, the 14th all-time leading scorer in, in, in franchise history. Um, he's going to pass Antoine Walker sometime this season. So he, he's going to – his greatness in the Celtics is already being set. He just has to, quite honestly – Win a chip. Win a championship, stay healthy, and he can retire and be all, one of the all-time greats. And obviously nobody is going to wear number zero again and all that. He knows that. And he knows that there's a lot of things on his shoulders uh, to deal with. But I think he's handled it well. And I also thought it was interesting – the two things that stood out to me this week about Jason Tatum, one, making a surprise appearance at Children's Hospital in Boston on Halloween for the kids. He didn't have to do that. That was not the team. And secondly, showing up to New Mission High, High School. Yeah. That was not the team either. Neither that of the video two was beautiful too, though, to watch how the kids just like ran, ran up on him and hugged him and he walks in like this like and yeah. that was not that was not the Celtics saying, "Come on, Jason, can you?" Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, some of these guys are busy and and they 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 cherish their time, and so some guys are easier than others to get to do stuff like that for the community. Like but Grant. the fact that Jason is embracing the Boston community, yeah, shout out to Grant because Grant did it without even being asked. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys are just amazing with the community, but to see Jason understand that he is pivotal in this community. Like, people look up to him now. You know, even as Kwani would say, the Cape Verdean community looks up Seriously, to... Uh, <laughs> like, culturally, this city really, like, even just walking on a regular day in Boston, 
you're going to see a seven, a seven jersey. You're going to see a zero jersey. Like, no matter where you are, there's always someone that's showing pride because people really take pride in these players. And stuff like that is what really solidifies them being accepted by the city as well. Let's also think, I think that, you know, when Jalen dedicating the court to Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant um, at the Boys and Girls Club in Roxbury a couple weeks ago, um, that was kind of on his own. I mean, you know, like he, he went there and, and, and made an appearance after a practice. So, I some mean. People felt some way about that. What do you, what do you, like, it, yeah. Because he's a Laker? Like, come yeah. on. I saw, and I, I take Twitter, you know, I take Twitter with a grain of salt, but I was genuinely curious as to, is that a worthy argument? Like, I get it. Like, I, you need to let that. It's Kobe. Come on. The humanity is more than I mean, you know, rivalry. But, I mean, come on. I mean, that's just yeah. a beautiful. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful court. Beautiful. Yeah. Kids can play. It's this. It was drawn beautifully, designed beautifully. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're doing that, and the fact that Jason is embracing his other uh, uh, his community, pe- people that look up to him, people who are not from. You know the the rich areas, even the people, the kids in, from the from the hood, regardless of what nationality you are, white, black, green, Cape Verdean, Haitian, whatever, Dominican. Dang, um, um, I feel like a Tri-Cop West song right now. Dominican. Um, uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like five. Five um, dog. Somebody out. Yeah. Um, five dog. Yeah, I feel like five dog. Um, Anybody from the, from those underrepresented communities who look up to him, who will never be 6'10", 6'9", who never, but can still be winners, you know, in their life. And for him to say, hey, listen to your teachers. You don't have to be the NBA player. You can be a winner, whatever you want to do. And I just think that means a lot. I mean, you know, you grow up and you say, oh, my God, like such and such came to my school one day. I mean, I can remember, <laughs> I can remember athletes when I was sixth grade, Rosie Greer, that's a long time ago, came to my school. The Rams, the, the, he was a lineman for the Rams. He came to my school. And I remember that I was 11 years old, 10 years old. Like, like you remember those things. That was a long time ago, Kwani. That's before you was, that was before 93. All right. That was before 93. <laughs> you know, but, you, you know, come to your school, you remember that. And you remember what they did. You remember them shaking your hand or just putting their arm around and taking pictures or hanging around and shooting baskets or whatever. People people don't understand how impactful that is. So even in 10,000 points, I just think this was a pretty amazing week for Jason Tatum. The Children's Hospital thing I thought was really meaningful also. I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, Halloween and just to visit the kids. But it's also to show up to a school and just be like, hey, and believe, believe me, I talked to the Celtics. They, they had nothing to do with that. That was him and his people or whatever. That was that was his decision to do that. It was not like the team nudging him, hey, you know, this, yeah. you, you, you only need to be there for 30 minutes. And we got we got the town car, we got the you know, SUV waiting for you. We can just exactly. you know, escort you right on out and you can go, you know, it's just 30 minutes to show up and wave a hand and get up, get the hell out of here. No, it was it was it was meaningful. So I think it was a really impactful week for Jason Tatum and and it's good to see him embrace the city uh, like he has, because it is getting to be his city. The, you know, as I wrote, the Patriots are down, the Red Sox are rebuilding. There's no superstars here. I mean, you can march in, you can say some of the Boston Bruins or whatever. You can say Rafael Devers, you know, you can say some some standout athletes, but you know, 
It's Tatum's town. Tatum and Brown, and especially if they get a chip, it's their town. Tatum's town, him but, and Brown. Yeah, even building up to that, though, Gary, I mean, I, I, I'd say it's, it's already their town because one yeah. of the things about greatness is that there's greatness among your peers in your city and there's greatness among the league that you play in. And Tatum's a top five guy. There is not another player in this city on any pro team that we can say they're in the top five in that league right now. So Tatum has already asserted himself, in, in my eyes, as the face of, of this region. Uh, he's that good. You, you, when you flip on a, ter- on a commercial, you watch you know, an NBA commercial, high probability if they got more than five guys, I mean, Tatum's going to be one of them. I don't think that's happening with NHL. That ain't happening with damn sure happening with no, no baseball. Uh, and, and, and the Patriots, come on now. Good. Yeah. So, they not be talked about right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's it's there. But the, the thing that, and, you, and we know this all too well, when you win a chip in this town, it ain't like winning a championship anywhere else. You become like, you know, that, you're almost, you become almost like a, a an athletic guy at that point. Right now, you are playing amongst the greatest of your time and your generation, but you want to chip in Boston, you become an athletic guy. And Tatum is as poised as any athlete to be that, not only because of the team that he plays for, but because of his game. His game is that good. I mean, dude can just literally roll out of bed and get you 25-4-4 without brushing the teeth, combing the hair, <laughs> checking in on Deuce. He ain't even got to do all that. He can, he can go and get you 25-4 and then do that other stuff. He's that good right now. Um, he just got to win a chip. That's all. That's literally the only thing that's left on his mantle that needs something to go there is a chip. I really appreciate this conversation, though, because I remember earlier on when he was drafted and over the years, people, generally speaking, when a player gets drafted to a specific city, there's this expectation that they're supposed to automatically be on board with that city. They're supposed to disavow where they came from like he would wear his st louis snapback and i'm sure he will continue to wear that he'll continue to do that of where he's from same with Jalen and repping atlanta but to your point going to new mission high school the mayor of boston mary michelle Wu, was there to introduce him as well so really embedding themselves into the city again they don't have to it's not really fit in their contract necessarily but i think they understand this is a city where it's Somewhat expected. It, like you said, it's you didn't sign up for it. But when you're in a city like Boston, people are proud of their sports teams. They're proud of their athletes. They're proud of being from here. They want you to know that they want to know that you are actually proud of being where you are as well, even if you're not from the city as well. So I think the two of them are definitely on the right track. Well, I, I think they, they also benefit from experience and wisdom of seeing what happens when you don't do that. Um, That's Kyrie didn't, I mean, Kyrie Irving, first name that comes to mind. Mm. You, and, you, and then you start looking at, at some, you know, just some of the other guys that kind of came through that had really good runs, but they didn't really kind of ingratiate themselves into the, the city the way you would ideally want your best player to do. Uh, and they learned from that. They realized that I can't do that. One, it's not good for the brand. If we keep it in 100, uh, it's just not good for your brand right. to be right. disconnected <laughs> with your community. And, and two, and, and maybe most important, it's just the right thing to do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just it's as simple as doing the right thing. Uh, sometimes we try to complicate these these conversations and, and these type of you know moments and make it out more than what they are. When it, at the absolute essence, 
It's just doing the right thing. Look at Marcus. Yeah. He won't be. He. I mean, honestly, he's at a point where the this fan base considers him one of their greats, and that's not necessarily what he did on the floor. Heart and soul of the team, what he did in the community. I I think that I think he's gotten his flowers for it. But he did a lot in the city of Boston. I can tell he's already trying to figure out what he can do in Memphis as well. But people in the city of Boston know they can see Marcus, they can access him, they can go to an event and know that he's really gonna find a way to reach out to that community as well. Wouldn't be surprised if once he's done playing, he finds a way to be back in that front office working with Brad in some capacity or whoever's yeah. running the team. Um, yeah. And no one would be tripping about that. No one would be like, oh, man, you went to Memphis. He didn't go to Memphis. He was traded to Memphis. He was traded, right. right. <laughs> Marcus, check you on that. Get it right. I was traded. To- <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Gary, you are going to say something? Well, I think not being – I think none of us are from Boston, but I think yeah. us all living there. Boston is a – We're self-aware about that. We're very self-aware. Boston is a big city, small city kind of mentality where, like, if you're from L.A., like people in LA aren't saying, oh, you don't represent LA. You don't come like LA's so big that there's so many people repping it. There's so many, like it's such a but Boston wants people who are not from Boston to like Boston, right? They want they people from Boston want people to want you to say, you know, this is a cool place. Like I understand why people live here. They they want to feel accepted. They want to feel like you enjoy their city. Because uh, and you can make it your your own. They're city. proud of it because they're they're very proud. There's a very civic pride. In other big cities, that it might not be so much. Where New York, like it's like it's New York. You you best like this, or you a whack, so you know, um, or or L.A. like that, like Jersey, like, yeah, we like Jersey, yeah. Uh, we got we got so much here that if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. But Boston always kind of has maybe an insecurity of like, you like this place, right? You're good here, right? You're not going to just leave us, right? Like, I just think there's kind of an insecurity. And I think that might go back to where, how Bill Russell felt he was treated in the city. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and, and the, 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 the the lack of free agents to sell this away, because you don't want to play there, you know, Boston crazy, you, all these things were happening to D Brown. And, and I don't hate to bring up all this stuff, but that, Kind of burn from an athletic standpoint, like players coming to Boston. Yeah, they burned kind of a bad record. They burned, you know, something kind of left a scar in the city. Mm. And the fact that now, starting with Garnett and Allen coming here and saying, "I love this place," and Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Morris and all these guys, Jay Crowder, who loved playing in Boston. So for a guy who was homegrown, nineteen years old, St. Louis through and through, to say. Hey, I love it here. This is my city. Um, my son was born here. I got a house here. And the same with Jalen. Like Jalen's, you know, there's been all you know questions about. Well, Jalen don't like it here, and I don't think Jalen's crazy about some of the demo, some of the issues of the city and the economic disparity. Like it's okay to to love where you at, but not like all of what's and, going on. And I just know that be, it can be better. Like family, yes, I think it's okay to do crazy. that. But you gotta it's fix it. It's okay not to like some of the things in your city. I'm born in LA, raised in LA. I didn't like everything about my hometown. I didn't like the violence. I didn't like some of the things. Like I can honestly say that. I don't think I'm betraying my city, my hometown, by saying um there's some things about it I don't like. I wish was better. 
And I think that that's what Jalen has told me over the years. Like, like just because I call things out does not mean I hate it here or I want to get out of here. It means I want to make it better and I want the people who are underrepresented to live better here and to have a part of it. And I just think that that's what the important part of this whole thing is with Jason is just people who are underrepresented, people of color, people who live in, like having a, more of a say and more of a, a impact of what's going on, more people at games, you know, more people getting a piece of the pie because Boston's a great place to live if you have the money. Now, um, if you don't, it could be hard. And I just, but I think that's for like that for every city. But I think that the athletes contributing to the community and going to places where they that they don't get seen much or hey, it's kind of rough around here or whatever. But knowing like, man, I'm good. Like anybody gonna come up to me? Like you know, these are my people. Being a being a person of the people, I think really kind of makes this makes you kind of a you know you're, the city will embrace that. And I just think the community will embrace that. I think, you know, you you kind of saying that, that Jalen and Jason have been embraced by the Haitian and um, Cape Verde community is kind of funny, but it's kind of, it's interesting, yeah. you know, that people that you know people they want someone to claim, they want someone to be like, hey, I'm with you, I'm a man of your, I'm a man of the people, and and I just think in his in his way in his way own way, age twenty five, Jason's trying to do that, and Jalen with the economic work he's doing is trying to do that. So I think that's amazing because I don't see that uh, many places in many cities. I see other, other cities and markets trying to do that, but you know, I don't see that around Boston as much as probably, well, we should see it. Mm-hmm. Very well said. This was a great conversation, but we have to move on eventually. We'll get back to this eventually, I'm sure. But let's talk quickly about the in-season tournament. The first game for the Celtics is on Friday. They'll be playing the Nets. What are your thoughts about this in-season tournament that people are still trying to figure out what it is in some ways? But how do you think this will also play out for Celtics fans? I just want to see the damn court. Because the court. Oh God, I do not want to see the court. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the court. I want to see the reaction to the court. Because the thing about Celtics fans, and y'all both know this, they're very uh, traditionalist. Traditional when it you comes can't mess to with that parquet, that parquet. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that there's that. Uh, but I, I like the fact that this that the players I think are going to be a little bit more focused and motivated in the season than previously. Uh, but it's not, I think, a big issue with the Celtics as it is with some other teams because you look at the guys that the Celtics who make up their core, they're not even about that load management life per se. They do it like Al Horford does it because they told him to. It's not like Al went and said, I need to be load manager. I want to be load manager. I'm cool with that. He's not really all that cool with it. He does it because it's, it's a way to preserve him uh, for the length of the season. But you go to L.A. and the Clippers, Load management is, I mean, that's like the first thing they get when they walk through the damn door in the morning is, is this load management program. Kawhi Leonard, we got one for you. Paul George, yo, we got one for you. James Harden, you coming? Yo, we got one for you too, buddy. That's <laughs> that's where the, this end-season tournament, I think, to me, it's the, the superpower of the tournament. It forces teams to be a little bit more intentional on not doing that. Uh, it makes it so that the fans actually can – Shell out three, four, five hundred dollars, and actually see the player that they came to see. I, I can't tell you how many times that I have heard from people who, you know, either email or text or something like saying, "Yo, 
I went to go see player X play. Don't you know that fool was that back at home in San Antonio? That fool was yeah. back at home in Chicago, just chilling. And I'm in I'm in this damn scene, five hundred dollars. Got 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 my 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 bay on. She she all upset. Like why are you upset at the game, honey? Dude, I came. She ain't here. That happens so often, and the NBA understands that if you're not careful, you are going to turn away the cash cow that keeps you moving, that keeps the train moving. Uh, and, and so, to me, the instant determined that to me is the, it's going to be its greatest accomplishment, forcing teams to actually play the guys consistently that fans want to see. Yeah, uh, good job, Sharon. Yeah, what do I say? That was passionate. <laughs> um, to me, I, I'm just interested to see how this all goes in terms of the competition and whether the fans will get into it. I think. I, I think the whole like trying to be like European soccer, I think there's a kind of resentment from players and from people around the league saying like, what's why, why isn't what we do good enough? Why we got to be like Arsenal or why we got to be like European soccer? Why do we have to be in? This is a great sport doing great things. The sport's never been more popular. The players have never made more money. This is not like 10, 12 years ago where, the Spurs and some of these small market teams are claiming poverty and saying we can't pay our players and and we're going to put – everything is worked out. Everybody making money. Like when a player pays $18 million, that's a tradable, easy contract. Like to me, like back then that was a lot of money. Now players are making $30 million. Like, hey, no – like Jeremy Grant makes $30 million a year. He's the – you know, 73rd or 55th best player in the league, NBA. Like, there's, you know what I'm saying? Jeremy Grant has no shot of making an, yeah, Syracuse. He has no shot of making an all-star team. None. And he's making 30 million, 30 million a year. He's making 30 million a year. Fred Fran Vliet is making $40 million a year. So I think that there's a level of resentment from the players of, like, why isn't what we do good enough? But it's also some innovative thinking from Adam Silver to saying, like, I'd like to get some more interest in the NBA in December, where right now people are kind of, you know, real hoop fans are excited that the season's here, but people are still doing it's Tuesday. People ain't tripping about NBA. They're like, okay, I gotta I gotta make changes to my fantasy lineup. I gotta set up my fantasy lineup for uh next week. I gotta cl- claim this player off waivers. It's an NFL time. It's a college football time. People, you know, people, what's going to go on in Michigan? What's going to go on? Who's going to go to the play? Like, there's all these other things, interests. So basketball is kind of being not forgotten about, but people are like, I'll get to basketball like in January. Even like Christmas games. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll watch, I'll I'll start really watching NBA in the Christmas because that's really, really matters, right? It don't really start before then. So I think the NBA is trying to say, hey, we want to compete with, the NFL, the championship games on the ninth. That that's NFL weekend. That's the day of the Army Navy game. That's the day of the Heisman Trophy presentation. Like that's where other sports have taken control. This NBA is like, no, we want an earlier part of December. So I'm fascinated to see whether the fans will be interested, whether players will be interested, whether it gets really intense once we get to the quarterfinals and that type of thing. I just think I think Friday's game against Brooklyn will be hotly contested because the Celtics just beat Brooklyn last week. Brooklyn should be pretty much healthy. Um, they're going to look for revenge, so it's going to be a tough game. So to me, 
I mean, the Celtics should win, but I just think it's going to be a hotly contested game simply because it's two division rivals going at it uh, for the second time in a week. So, uh, but I'm fascinated to see, and, and I think the players will adapt to it. Like we adapt to everything. People didn't like the play-in tournament. That suddenly became wildly popular. So I think it'll work out. Looking ahead, the next four games, you already mentioned it. Brooklyn's on Friday, but Philly is on Wednesday night. You're probably listening before that game. Toronto is on November 11th, and then New York is the 13th. Is there any game particularly that you have circled? You kind of alluded to it, but which one? But honestly, between Philly and Brooklyn, which one would you circle the most? Philly. Philly. I, Philly, they're, they're off to a better start than a lot of people thought. And they've got some interesting pieces. And, and now now that the hardened cloud has moved on, let's see what this team can do when they don't have that that hanging over them. Uh, are they able to just play and continue to get better and things of that nature? Or are we going to see moments uh, where a James Harden would have helped them in this area? Or James? And so I, I'm curious to see what they look like now that that is no longer an issue. Yeah, Philly, too. That's going to be, you know, and the guy I said the Celtics should go after, Kelly Oubre, is balling for the Sixers. They got our friend Marcus Morris there now, Nicholas Batum. They got, you know, they they got a good return off hard. Not, they didn't get a game-changing player. They didn't get an all-star. But they got a guys who can help, and they already got enough talent with NB, with Maxi, with, you know, Tobias Harris. You know, so they got – they got players. So this is not like Philly is now a factor in the East. Like let's not, they're five and one. I think people will lose all the Celtics and the Bucks. The Bucks might not be as good as we think, but Philly was going to be better, I think, than we think. So Philly could make this a trio here. And then and then it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics respond Monday against the Knicks. Um, you know, the Knicks will be coming back. The Knicks are you know a little off to a little slow start, three and four. Um but and then you know, you see the entire division in in, in basically three days, four days: Philly, Toronto, Brooklyn, and New York. You just you see you see who you're competing with in your division. Toronto's kind of an up and down team. They've had some really good moments. Um, they've had some not so good moments. You know, new coach, new new staff there. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But Philly's an interesting game because Philly got dudes now. Like they, like you said, Sherrod, Harden is no longer hovering over them. They got Ubre. They got Maxi, who's had a great season so far. Embiid just coming off 48 piece against Washington. Um, they're ready. And once they get some chemistry, they're going to be a serious threat. So this could be an Eastern Conference Finals preview. Yeah, scoping out the competition. That's all we have for this week's episode of the A List podcast. If you haven't already, because at this point you got to the end of the episode, you should already be subscribed either on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app. Please do so and share with a fan or a friend, someone that likes the Celtics, whatever, basketball. But until we talk next week, for Ashad Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. FanDuel is the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
Ever wish you could navigate the betting field with the confidence of a pro? Enter Odds Are. They're not a sports book, but they're the sports betting advisor you always needed. It's like having a playbook for smarter bets right in your pocket. I've been absolutely loving the experience, and I think you will too. Especially since Celtics All Access listeners get a 30-day free trial. Elevate your game day and join the smart betting revolution. Go get it at oddsr.com slash Celtics. That's oddsr.com slash Celtics.